So welcome, Mark Lapping, to the Cam Marketing Save the Planet podcast. Mark, you and I have already had a conversation when I interviewed you for uh, a, a section in our book when I was writing about packaging. And I came across Aquapack Polymers Limited, uh, based in, in the UK, in the Midlands, um, because there was at the time a campaign running around you gifting, I think you were gifting or supplying um, packaging to the NHS because of the, the COVID um 19 situation. This this was packaging where they could literally put their scrubs into these bags and put them into the washing machine. And then the, the packaging would miraculously disappear. And I didn't quite believe it, but then I looked into it and I, I thought more and I thought absolutely have to speak to this man uh, about what indeed you are doing with this, this incredible product. So welcome to the podcast. Hi, Michelle. Very nice to see you again. And nice to meet you, Gemma. It's hard to believe a year's gone by since that, almost since that conversation, Michelle. And yes, you're right. We were donating our laundry bags to the NHS. Um, we felt it was the right thing to do. And also, it was a great use of our product. We developed a film which is processable on standard packaging equipment, which you can turn into laundry bags, which can then be used to do exactly that, either in the domestic environment or in a hospital or an industrial environment, is put garments in and then it will dissolve, much like your dishwasher tablet would do, because it's made of the same base polymer called polyvinyl alcohol, PVOH. And at Aquapac, what we've been able to develop is a way of processing that on standard packaging equipment so it can be used for a whole range of products. But laundry products is... uh, one of one of the products that can be turned into, and it was uh, a pleasure and a privilege to be able to to support the NHS in a small way with uh, with something that just helped out at a, at a needy time for everyone. It absolutely was, and 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 then of course, what when I looked into what you were doing, uh, there was that uncovered that there were lots of the brands and organisations that you were working with that were, were that were focused on kind of their packaging that they didn't want to leave any trace. And then, of course, when I spoke to you, it was clear that sustainability, this wasn't just about the commercial side for you and the product and, you know, the fact that you have a very scalable product that that is solving uh, lots of problems, um, but that you are very invested in sustainability and, indeed, the challenges that we have on this planet due to plastic. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's that's our core role is is to try and um, help create plastic which does has a better end of life, but has the same functionality in its life. If if, if that makes sense. So, yeah, we and and what I was interested in having a conversation with you about the whole sustainability and marketing angle is as a new product in a in a in a very well established uh, world of polymer. It's important for us to get our message out there and be uh, and to be heard and to create awareness. So it was clearly of interest of how we could form part of your discussion in the book about how marketing can help sustainability. And um, I think you know I think that's probably a really nice um, probably start point for our for our, for the questions and discussions because I think one of the key things looking at your site and you know your your interview with Michelle was 
the use of end of life options. And I think that's the one thing that we don't hear enough about, which is the end of life options. And, you know, writing the chapter on plastics, I was looking at bioplastics, biodegradable plastics, compostable plastics. And when it actually dug into this, and it's not complicated to find out what they are. It's it's actually just a Google search like everything in the world today. (laughs) But, you know, these things with their name, fancy names on, are still plastics at the end of the day. And they don't, they aren't compostable at the bottom of the ocean and they aren't biodegradable. They take years and years and years. And, you know, a bioplastic, even though it's made from um, synthesized from a biomass, is still plastic because once it's synthesized, it's still a plastic. So, you know, this end of life option for me is something we have to get more information out there. So do you want to just tell us a bit more about the end of life options your products have? Yeah, um, absolutely. So our, our product's called Hydropole. And as I said, it's based on polyvinyl alcohol, which is a polymer which has been around since the 1920s. So it's well established. It's used in, in a lot of industrial applications, for instance, in paper making for strengthening the fibers in paper. It's soluble um, in water. It's, it's non-toxic. Um, it's marine safe. So that's why it can be used as a pod for a, for a dishwasher or it can be used for a laundry bag, or it's used in paper making or sizing textiles. So incredibly useful polymer. What it wasn't able to do was be processed down standard uh, packaging equipment, which is, which is called thermoprocessing. So dishwasher tablets made a different way from solution casts, which is quite an expensive and energy-intensive way of doing it. So we were able to establish that at Aquapack as a way of making this in scale, through existing thermoprocessing and and the end of and what what our aim is to use the existing infrastructure without having to invest in in new infrastructure say we can use the existing infrastructure to take this out in scale and really in essence it boils down to your point there Gemma which is about designing in at the front end when you yeah. think about a product and its application and what you're trying to make it for designing in firstly the functionality because it's got to do the job it's got to be robust in the supply chain it's got to keep the product fresh for as long as you want to keep it up for its shelf life but what do you want it to happen once the consumer's finished with it ideally you want to keep that material in the economy which is known as a circular economy so it can go back around the system you can recover it and then recycle it and if you can't do that what you don't want it to do is end up on a beach somewhere or as pollution which causes other problems in our ecosystem so it's thinking about the end of life and then with our particular material we have multiple end of life, so it can it can be fully biodegradable. So you can put it into anaerobic digestion. Great way of getting energy or fuel back from, for instance, organic food waste. You could use it as an organic food waste bag. You could do the same with composting, or you can recycle it on its own. But probably its greatest use is going to, in combination with other materials, is going to enable them to be recycled. So a great example would be with paper. It's got great affinity towards cellulosic. Uh, or paper or paper type products, which means in life it will combine well with it and be useful, give it strength, give it barrier and everything you want from packaging. But at the end of life, you can put it straight into a waste paper bin, and people know most people have got access to that. Certainly in, in most in in certainly in the UK, and that means when it goes into a paper mill, our material will dissolve off. It's soluble, and all your fibre will be left available for recycling recovery and can go back around the loop and ours would naturally biodegrade. 
So you say you say that this is is scalable. What what do you think are? I mean, because you're you have you know your solution, and we came across other solutions, and they weren't as they weren't being talked about as scalable. They were in their infancy. What do you think the barriers are currently? to why solutions like yours aren't being, you know, effectively moved faster into replacing plastic, given that, I mean, we wrote the book, as you say, the book came, it's just come out. But when we were writing the book, I looked back at 2018, 2019 figures. And despite the problem being made, you know, extremely um, public by David Attenborough, plastic production went up in 2018 it went up in 2019 so what 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 is stopping this from from you know from from happening well it's very it's a complex debate so i'd say that first but you know um so you, i could be described as a polymer nerd i don't want to go into too much of techie speak but um because there are but there's polymers and there's polymers and, and you can quickly get get into the weeds here but Trying to keep it at sort of a, a sort of macro level. First of all, the scale of the challenge. There's 350 million tons of polymer being produced annually around the globe. So try and imagine that in terms of scale. Yeah. For pure packaging, about 140 million of it then goes into packaging, disseminates down. We talk a lot about biopolymers and um, those type of solutions. That, when it boils down to it, is 1% of that in terms of scale. So a lot of airtime is given to those, and they are they are great solutions in the right application where you've got functionality and you've got an appropriate end of life, and you know it's going to go and be used in that end of life, i.e. you've got composting facilities, it's going to be collected for composting, and it goes to composting. Um, so you, all these things have got to marry up. One of the challenges is the infrastructure for end of life just isn't there in many yeah. cases. I okay. cited the paper example, which is probably the most ubiquitous in paper recycling, well-established in terms of circularity of paper. So that's why you're seeing a big shift from a lot of the brands to use paper. But paper isn't always useful on its own. It doesn't give you the same functionality, which is why, again, talking about our product Hydropole, in combination with paper, it can give you that functionality and that end of life. And I think that's the point. It's creating awareness, which your book does, marketing does. There are other solutions. There are new materials. But it doesn't mean all the old materials are bad. You've just got to combine the right materials to get the right solution in life and at the end of life. And it can all be done, but you've got to create the awareness, you've got to create the desire, and you've got to create the measures that are actually going to prove you're doing it and making progress in order for that to happen. And I, I recall from our interview, Mark, you know, one of the one of the you know the kind of conversations we had was was about that awareness to the consumer that the fact that if the consumer is aware that there is another way that if the consumer is aware of the reality that you know this kind of wish cycling it goes into the recycling but but it's not actually recyclable you know we 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 we're kind of kidding ourselves that we we think these things are where where do you think the role of marketing fits in all of this conversation around educating the consumer is it the marketeer's role is it the brand's role to be to be making consumers aware or is it the brand's role to be taking charge at the outset and 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 designing with the end in life because I think we've got you know I'm sure we're going to have to work in a little bit of a kind of meandering way you know, some the brands doing their own bit and the consumers kind of pushing back a little bit. But but there 
it, at the moment, it does feel like the majority of it is on the consumer to be educated, to make their their decisions. And, and, and that is that is the challenge, isn't it? Because the consumer isn't responsible for the design of the product. Yeah. And, and there's a big debate about where the responsibility sits, because what the brands could say is, well, we need the recycling infrastructure in order for it to then go and be used in recycling. And so the, the, the danger is if you, it becomes a circular debate that it's always someone else in the supply chain's yeah. responsibility to sort it out. To try and be specific to your question about what's the responsibility for the brand. I think it is to meet the needs of their consumers, to strengthen their brand, both in terms of consumers' desire to buy their products and culturally to actually do what they say they're going to do and deliver great sustainable products. And consumers work that out over time and they know when they're being greenwashed and they know when they're getting value for money. And I think it's the two go hand in hand. And there are some brilliant brands out there who have, have who culturally very strong and everyone through the whole brand is looking to do the right thing. And it does come from the top. And if that leadership disseminates down all the key measures through the organization of what what they want and what good looks like, then that brand will live their values and will deliver sustainable products. And I think that's where the brand leadership comes in, which marketing is just synonymous with and just supports mm. that. And then that can give real leadership to the industry because it becomes good practice and it's something others will follow. I think if you stop any almost, well, at least 75% of probably 90% of consumers in the street and ask them what they want, they'll all ask you for sustainable products that they can easily recycle or isn't going to cause any damage or pollution to the environment yeah. or damage the ecosystem. So, And that pressure, the brands see acutely, which is why they've made a lot of the pledges they have. And that's come about awareness, like you say, from Blue Planet, from the, from the consumer. And now it's the brand's responsibility to do something with that, to give back what the consumers are looking for. So I think marketing's got a huge part in creating that awareness and telling that story of what they're actually going to do. In terms of the government, they've got a huge role to play in terms of, you know, the rules. I was reading um, just at the, in January how, you know, the EU have put a complete ban on shipping, you know, contaminated plastics back to developing countries. Yet the UK have gone with a weaker control of, of saying you have to request permission and they have the right to turn it down. I mean, that, that's not helping at all, is it? In, and considering that the UK exports two thirds of all of its plastic to these countries, you know, it's it. And, and then we're going to host the climate conference. It's all a bit of a, you know, not putting your money where your mouth is type thing. But I think, you know, this might be a bit of a contentious sort of statement. But, you know, I think in terms of plastic, when it comes to plastic, I think, you know, this is where marketing is at its absolute most dishonest. Um, you've got, you know, in terms of recycling and we talk about the different labels and then not making it clear what is a recycling label, what is what is a recycled product, where you take them back to actually um, recycle them you know we brought up the whole coffee cup type situation where take it back to the coffee shop don't put it in the recycling because it will not get recycled and then there was um single-use plastic so single-use plastic there was a complete ban on things like straws and cutlery and plates um from an eu directive and that's supposed to take place in july um this year and then people um brands are changing the labeling on that packaging calling it re um, reusable as opposed to single use. So it's a reusable. So again, putting the onus on the consumer yeah. to wash them up. And you think, I mean, all of those things have 
completely sustainable alternatives anyway. You know, there's a, there is a, there's cutlery, there's plates, there's different you know straws. So it's almost like single-use plastic, which is the biggest problem in all of this. It's almost like there isn't a need to have it, and so it, it's it's still it's still just completely blows my mind. I think marketing needs to absolutely step up its game. And this is where we spoke about marketing having a conscience. And if marketing is going to have a conscience, it needs to have it here, doesn't it, in, in, with this issue? I, I agree. But I think it's also cultural in, in an organization because marketing is really the voice of the organization. And it's carrying out the will of the leadership of that organization. So yeah. I think the two go hand in hand. And I think there's a lot of phenomenally good brands out there. But you're right that policy and government have um, a lot of power in changing that for incentivizing good behavior because these are businesses at the end of the day and they need to make money. So there has to be sufficient stick and carrot in that. that and the single-use packaging directive, which has come out from the European Union, took effect on the 1st of January this year, which has given, as you said, some leeway before it implements and they start getting levies on the cost of it, is a real way of demonstrating if they don't make a change, what it's going to cost them. So brand, brands still need to take, you would hope it wouldn't come to that point, brands still need to take leadership by wanting to give their consumers great products, which are, take, which are entirely sustainable, and they've got a chain of custody to prove that. But sometimes government incentives or disincentives by charging a levy or a tax where they aren't seeing that behavioural change coming quick enough do help. But I would just like to pick up your point, um, Jim, when you were talking about the, the export of plastics back to wherever someone gives permission for it to go. Mm. I think that that's a symptom for me of not designing good product at the front end. Yeah, plastic is in, you know the way it is the way, it's the way it is used that is a problem, and it's the way it's designed because it do, it it is doing a use, and we can't think it's you know three hundred fifty million tons is in is in circulation for a reason every year and if we design it right we can actually make those products separable we can make them recoverable and we can make them recyclable and it is making sure that we that's where we we need a shift in behavior which will come through awareness which comes from marketing which comes through collaboration of actually then creating better products which meet that can fit the current infrastructure because we're not going to create a new infrastructure in terms of recycling and waste management that's not going to happen quickly, no. but we can start designing things which fit the existing infrastructure while we work on improving it. And you're right, clear labelling are a big help. We're all hugely frustrated and angry by asterisks that go where facilities exist and leave you with sort of nuanced message around you know, re- recoverable or recyclable in certain circumstances and the onus is on the consumer. Yeah. And we could do it. We could definitely all do a lot better as an industry. But the way of sorting that out is by collaborating and saying there are ways of doing this. Let's focus on those and let's design those into the products that we that consumers want. Yeah, and and I think that like you know, as Gemma said there, that that kind of the honesty that needs to come through from the the marketeers uh, and the brands because you know we we've had this conversation before Gemma and I think Mark you and I had this a similar conversation about the placket packaging on loo rolls you know and actually it says we're 100% this whole product is 100% recyclable but actually only if I get in my car and drive 25 miles to find a you know a unit that is going to take that particular plastic covering so again that onus is on is on the um 
is on the consumer. So what would you say, because we're trying, you know, we want this podcast to be as practical as, as possible. Where do people, I mean, designing with the end in, in mind is key, but what, what advice would you give to marketeers who potentially are, you know, they're product marketeers, they're aligned with the packaging, they're, you know, they, they, they know that there are these spurious QR codes and asterisks and things going on. What, what advice would you give to them to kind of think about this more sustainable approach? Clarity is obviously key to this and and it is but it is goes combined with honesty this isn't a simple thing to resolve and it's not all going to be resolved overnight but it's it's starting and i think brands that are honest with their consumers and say we take them on the journey are ones that will follow that because they can see the progression on that journey but i you know i think it's there's trust involved here and as a brand you don't want to be greenwashed or give the sense that you're greenwashing at all because consumers see that oh, yeah. and it, and I think if you can be very clear with them where you are but also what you're going to do and how you're improving and it's real and you prove it's real then they'll go with you yeah, and trust keeps coming up time and time again as we speak to people and you know and we keep referring back to Edelman's trust barometer which shows that trust is at an all-time low so I think you know it's about as you know, marketing's remit is so broad. It's not just about sales and advertising. We are heavily involved in the proposition development. We are the, the you know the guardians of the of the, the customers that we serve, and it's about taking what they want and actually building it in, as you say, up front. And that includes the packaging and what houses your product. And you know, your product is the packaging. So it's about getting the, you know the message out there and and the options that are available as well. I'm sure that there's you know if you haven't heard of the, the other various solutions that are out there, you know, as opposed to plastic or heard of, you know, the solutions that you create, then how do you go about raising that within your organization, mm. you know? And, that, and that's exactly it. And that's where marketing really helps is this awareness. You know, we're a new material. Not everyone's aware we exist or what we do. But what's really, I think what's really interesting is the, the, they're big brands. We work with some big brands on some quite big problems that they're trying to solve. Those ones do their due diligence. They spend the time up front to really find out about our material, to test it, to go through, put it rigorously through their own diligence process. And then they know that what they're dealing with. And, and in time, that will bear fruit with them, with their consumers of the packaging that they will design and the problems that they will solve. So, But many brands don't know what we've got to offer and you know we'd be delighted to get into conversations with them and, and our materials are going to be suitable for solving everyone's problems by any means but it can definitely play a part in combination with other materials brilliant okay well we like to end this podcast mark with three questions that we're asking all of our guests so uh the first question to you is Kind of simple question, but quite a big question. Can marketing save the planet? What's your view on that question? Uh, not on its own, but it's got a huge part to play. The message yeah. out there. Good practice. Perfect. And um, what do you hope business looks like in 10 years' time? We want to be a globally renowned polymer solution, which is helping to design great sustainable product and we want to be used all around the world and doing hundreds of thousands of tons of our polymers 
to help create excellent sustainable product. Fantastic. And we want that too. Yeah, we well, definitely won't leave no trace. And if you were to give one piece of advice to others who are getting started with sustainability in their businesses, what would you give to them? What would you say? I'd say do the research. Don't greenwash. If, one, if you find the right products, they're out there. You can create great sustainable solutions. Excellent. Fantastic. Well, thank you, Mark. It's been an absolute joy having this uh, conversation and having you on the Can Marketing Save the Planet podcast. Thank you very much, Michelle. Thank you very much, Gemma. It's been a pleasure and a privilege to take part. 